Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, it's episode 50. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of lot of content, I guess, to put out in a podcast form. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. I, I'm, I'm proud of us for sticking with it this long. I don't know what I thought would happen when we started out uh, low all of this time ago. But um, it sure has been way more fun and exciting to do than I realized. Uh, so yeah, it's been super good. Yeah, I don't think this is not like a like we're quitting. We did fifty. Now we're done. <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. sort of it I think yeah. Like if anything, yeah, I think I'm I'm more interested in doing another fifty at this point. Like if you told me up front, hey, you're going to do fifty episodes. <laughs> Maybe let's just not then. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that seems like a lot of work. But you spread it out over, you know, every other week and it's not too bad. Do you remember how amazing it was when we just got like one episode done and then maybe a second one? I mean, yes. If that's yeah. an accomplishment. Uh, and here yeah. we are. Look at us. We're seasoned yeah, I pros. We, I don't know if we've ever said it on air, but so there is a lost episode. We probably actually like if I'm saying that we've probably mentioned it every other episode. But <laughs> there's uh, the first episode we recorded. We just we recorded it. We edited it. I think we might have listened to it once and then we just put it in the trash can and like <laughs> just never, never listened to it ever again. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I could recover the audio if I wanted to at this point. I think we need to start a little bit of an urban legend here, Chris. Yeah. That episode had the greatest GMing secrets and tips <laughs> yes. that you'll ever hear. The last episode. I'm pretty sure that episode had the most um, amount of ums and ahs and false starts and like meandering. Oh, yes. Listener, if you think it's bad now, man, uh, go <laughs> listen to like our first couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, well, now that we're um, full on professionals, then I guess let's let's dive into the episode proper. So we have something somewhat fun, I guess, for the end of it. But Andy, you had mentioned that you have a bit of a chatty question up front that you wanted to ask. Yes. Uh, actually, I have two quick things. Uh, okay. One is uh, we got, Chris, we got a little bit of reader feedback Ooh. on a recent episode. Okay. So, Chris, a reader whose name, I uh, will just call him Joel, uh, wrote in okay. with two additions to the random table of stuff that could happen in a creepy warehouse. Uh, I think we did Ooh. that two episodes ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So he has two things uh, to add to the table, and I thought they were really good, so I'd like to read them here on the air, as mm -hmm. they say. Uh, okay. The first thing he he suggested we could toss onto that table. This would, I guess, make it a D eight table of creepy warehouse mm -hmm. stuff. Is uh, an exposed elevator is I think that's creepy enough just right there. But he says currently at the uh, second or third floor of a dim catwalk, it all of a sudden <laughs> lurches to life and begins slowly descending to whatever floor you're on. Oh boy! Okay, <laughs> I don't want that to happen. You remember that uh, I rewatched the movie Aliens recently. Mm -hmm. And there's that scene at the end where the uh, the alien queen gets in the elevator and is yes. coming up, and they're yeah. trapped on this like catwalk, and the elevator's coming up, and it's a wonderfully tense moment. So I, that yeah. was immediately popped in my dear. Maybe you don't have to go quite so epic with with the with your elevator bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and here is another one, uh, and then the second one he sent to us is. In the corner of the cavernous warehouse, there's a small office with walls and a roof and light spilling out, although it's apparently empty. A phone begins to ring, but not like a normal ring. The <laughs> rings are short, and in quick succession, they also seem to be speeding up. You realize that the ringing is timed to your heartbeat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <Yes>. do, you... <laughs> do you answer it? I don't know if I would, like, I don't know if any players would actually go and answer that. <laughs> That's where you hit, like, escape and 
and just quit the game, right? Go yeah, out, right. Out the yeah. Windows. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, thank you, Joel, uh, for uh, sending us your ideas, and yeah, it was super Joel. fun to uh, super fun to hear uh, that you enjoyed the table and enough mm-hmm. that you had a few things to add to it. So yeah, I've told great. Joel uh, Joel someone I know in real life, and I've told mm-hmm. him he needs to uh, GM a game so that we can have an excuse to to bring him on the show. But, <laughs> He's never GM, but he, he came up with us. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, he's a natural. There. I'm telling him he'd be a great GM. So yeah, oh for real. Yeah, if you can come up with those two things, you you have most of the most of a session. Right That's there. right. So yeah. uh, I had one other thing I wanted to talk about, Chris. But first, mm-hmm. I want to ask you. Now, in our last episode, you had just run a Halloween game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was your kind of gimmicky game uh, that was sort of like a '90s sitcom sort yeah. of game where they were in a spooky corn maze and a couple of other spooky environments. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you have since run that for a second group of people that was all RPG newbies. Is that right? Yeah, for the most part, all RPG newbies. And it was people that I'd met before, but I wouldn't say like we hung out and were, you know, friendly, like friends. Uh, it was all my wife's friends. So she she wanted to play it with some of her friends. So we got everybody together to go through it. But yeah, so I think out of everybody, like one person had played D&D a handful of times. Like she, she's been like wanting to get into it, but her groups keep falling apart for, for whatever reason. Huh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it was an experience. Yeah. So I like running the same scenario more than once because it gives you just a different flavor and you kind of see the different decision points and stuff that people do. They, they ended up doing things just kind of wildly different from the first group um, that I ran it for. So that first group was all like gamers, I would say. Half of them have like run games, <laughs> you know, run games pretty often. You know, the other half have been you know playing games for a while. So like when you have a group of like people that know how to play play these games, right? They they kind of like fit in to what you're trying to do, and they understand like the story beats that they're supposed to grab onto, you know, and, and go with it. Um, so this other group with a bunch of newbies, like they didn't have any of that, so it was just sort of a free for all. <laughs> I had one player sort of just immediately wander off. And go do something else entirely. You know, I'm like, I was doing that GM thing where you're like, are you sure Are you sure you want to do that? Like, your entire party is back there doing this other thing. Yeah, no, I'm good over here. So then, so all of a sudden now there's this kind of this A plot and this B plot, um, which was really fun to, to kind of sort out, you know, and tell a story and, you know, figure out how that was all going to fit together. Um, but, you know, on the fly, you're like, as a GM, you're sitting there just like, oh goodness, like, I, I need to get them back to what everything else is going on. But I mean, you realize that everybody's having fun anyway. So it's like, well, do I need to, I mean, I guess if that's what they want to do with their character, that's totally okay. (laughs) Yeah. So that like, it it was really fun. Um, There was some interesting parallels in like the kinds of characters they picked Hmm. too, from group to group. Um, I think there's just like certain nineties sitcom tropes that people have really grabbed onto. Um, Like both, uh, both groups had like a crotchety old grandpa character oh, okay <laughs> and, yep. yeah you know stuff like that um both both groups decided not really like to have a a parental figure that had like died or mysteriously vanished you know that sort of thing so other huh. people were sort of stepping in to be the parents yeah both groups had like younger kids as well but yeah so it was fun i i really like this this setting i think i'm going to write it up a little bit more formally just in case someone else wants to run it I don't think the scenario that I had was like particularly amazing outside of Halloween. Um, But I think there's a lot you could do with that setup of 90s sitcom, you know, here's some character creation, that sort of stuff. 
Now, yeah. one of the things that you put a lot of thought into was like the system you were going to use for it, and you mm-hmm. ended up settling, choosing uh, kind of a variant on the lasers and feelings rules, mm-hmm. which are really simple, and you described yeah. them in an episode or two ago. I'm curious, did you see a difference in the way that people like engaged with or understood or worked with the rules between mm-hmm. your group that was mostly RPG veterans and your group that was mostly RPG newbies. It's an interesting system. So what I'm realizing actually having run it twice is that this, the rules are super simple, right? Like you, you roll a die, you have, you know, you roll some dice, you have a number that you're trying to go above or below for whatever reason, it's almost impossible to just remember which, what, when you're trying to roll above or below <laughs> that number, like there's just something about that concept. It's really elegant in game terms, but it doesn't translate well to people sort of yeah playing the game. And I've noticed this too. I've listened to at least one one actual play of someone using using lasers and feelings as a system. And like players are just constantly like, wait, which one am I trying? Do do I want to get lower? Or do I want to get higher? <laughs> All the time with it. Yeah. It's so having gone through that, I think the next time that I do this, I might just have them have sort of them pick two numbers rather than one number, right? And then mm. you just you just sort of like lay it out like you're always trying to roll above. I can see that being a little bit weird, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's great. It's it's really cool if you're a game nerd and you like seeing the one-page RPG and see it. it's like a very elegant thing, but um, yeah. yeah. Um, otherwise, right, like I think they, everybody sort of understood that it was more a storytelling game rather than a, like a combat combat style game um yeah so it worked out pretty well i think with this second group that i ran it with by the end we had just sort of stopped rolling for for certain Uh, things because it's just like well i don't know yeah they just wanted to to kind of tell the story at that point from that experience i'm curious and i'm going to put you on the spot here what is one thing that one thing you would take from the the newbie group that you wish you could go to your veteran players and say please be more like this and then is yeah. there something else, like something, if you could take like one rule or one guideline from like your experience group to tell to the newbies, I, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? What What's like one piece of, yeah. of like the thing that you could take away from each of those groups that you think would make for better games? That is a really interesting question. And I realize I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Like, no, that's uh, fine. Like, yeah. while you think, I'll like chime in. I mean, yeah. then whenever I run for newbies, I often find that they don't approach the game with like kind of concerns of like long character survival and they're not anticipating ways the GM will like punish them or take advantage of their mistakes or actions or something like that. So they're just mm-hmm. a little bit more inclined to do something because it seems like it would be really fun. And yeah. I often wish I could take a little bit of that energy, you know, and inject it into myself and yeah. you know, some other, other veteran players that I play with. Going along with that, I would say my experience playing with with newbies right you know especially with this group is they didn't really like know like what they weren't supposed to do it's like the one player who went off and sort of created her own own little story like i'm gonna look back on that as a fond sort of memory of running that game for a long time you know for for lots of reasons but i think veteran players like because they know sort of games they're more apt to sort of just go along with it you know i also think that like people who play a lot of games like they play them probably for different reasons than people who play for the first time, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense too. But yeah, there's like something about that very chaotic energy of like, oh, well, I'm just going to go do this other thing. And it's like, well, I guess there's no reason you can't. Like, so let's just see what happens. 
Um, so it's good, I think, for GMs to occasionally play with with new people all the time just to get that little bit of energy of, yeah, like, oh, okay, different players will approach this in a different way, especially yeah. if they yeah, have different experience levels. For the newbies, I think, like, the one... The one thing that I think like people who play a lot of games understand a little bit more instinctively is sort of the power level that you're operating at mm. in a game. So like with this 90 sitcom, it's very grounded in reality, right? So there was a couple times where like a character wanted to do something, you know, the characters wanted to do stuff. It's like, well, that doesn't totally make like we're not in a magical world. Mm -hmm. you know, like there still are some like physics and stuff at play. Like we could break the rules, but then it's just like, well, then I don't know. Like kind of determining that power level i think is an important part of playing an rpg like if you're playing DD, you need to understand sort of the limits of your characters because that's all gonna set the stage for lots of other other decisions yeah so i think it's like yeah it's it's very just it's like yeah for the newbies i want to be like you need to understand sort of like what the setting is but then for the veteran players it's like you need to understand how to break the setting that's like a really clever way of putting it uh yeah some good <laughs> thoughts so. Yeah. so hey uh i want to get to our uh to our big project today of uh, reading mm. our table. But before I do, I do have one final thing and it is another oh, yeah. thing where I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Sort of. So I love it. <laughs> uh, I have been playing uh, final fantasy seven, the oh, remake of it, it on the PlayStation. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And having a great time. Yeah. And I know you're a final fantasy fan and I think you're like a specific fan of final fantasy seven. Is that correct? Oh yes. Yeah. That okay. is my game. Like, like all games that people say are the best game ever. It's, you know, the game that I played when I was at a specific age. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. yes. And it's exact. I'm enjoying it. It's exactly the type of ridiculous I could use right now. So, yes. um, but uh, bringing it back to the topic of this podcast, something we often talk about, like how there's something kind of special about that final fantasy vibe that it has that isn't necessarily present in tabletop role playing. And so I thought it might be fun just to take a couple minutes. We don't have to spend too much long, too much time on this. And uh, I would like to ask you, if you were sitting down with a bunch of friends and you're all kind of Final Fantasy fans and you were just going to play straight up D&D, &D, but you wanted to inject a little bit of that Final Fantasy vibe into it, and I'm not mm. talking like have it be set in a crazy Final Fantasy setting. I mean, you're playing pretty regular D&D, &D, but you just want it to like to lean in the direction of like a Final Fantasy feel. What yeah. are like two or three like really specific but fairly small things you might do just to get just to apply a little coat of Final Fantasy to your D&D &D uh, game, right? Yeah. I have one or two ideas like in the back of my mind. So okay. I want to give you a minute to think about it. So let me start out by providing an answer of my own that I've thought of while yes. I was talking about this here. And that is I think one thing you could do in a typical D&D &D game is just um require everybody to uh, really describe their character's idiosyncratic appearance and clothing mm -hmm. and equipment. I, yes. I find that even when you have players with really, with perfectly great D&D &D characters, you know, everyone describes them just in this vocabulary of default D&D, &D, like what type of armor is he wearing? What kind of weapon is he holding? What kind mm -hmm. of, what color cloak uh, are they wearing? And in Final Fantasy, so much of the character of these games comes from this completely ludicrous character <laughs> concepts, right? Yes. <laughs> so in the beginning of Final Fantasy VII, you know, this group of this like D&D style adventuring party is running around. And one person has like spiky hair and MC Hammer pants and a sword <laughs> that is like larger than him. 
that you could <laughs> all right you could never use this in a real fight uh he's standing next to a giant person who is literally like four times bigger than anyone else in the party and has a chain gun for an arm and <laughs> yeah. and then i could describe the other characters but uh like that right there like it that right there is like so much of the game's uh quirky flavor is it is present right from the very first glimpse you get of these weird characters right so mm-hmm. if everybody in a DD game could just just if they described their characters a little bit more like that they thought like what what makes your character incredibly memorable like why would someone do a double take if they saw you walk into town and they'll never forget you know what you look like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just like look like D and D, but make it fashion. It's like yeah, yes, yeah. Like because I mean, there's like, many jokes have been told about like how many belts characters <laughs> in Final Fantasy wear. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are yes. like there are entire outfits in some of those games that are just belts, like yes. going this way and that. Yeah, I think like that's a very very good point. You know about it is like and and two going back a little bit to the like the power level concept. You know the guy with the the gun for a hand, like like he's shooting bullets at enemies and stuff. You know, but like he does the exact same damage as the guy with the sword. Yeah, you know, yes. or the or the woman who punches real hard. Right, like, right. Yeah, yes. it's like like nothing makes sense other than the fact that it's like you're seeing the damage output on screen yeah so i think that that's actually the thing that i would say if you want to make it feel a little bit more like a jrpg like what you need to do is just multiply all of your numbers by 10 to 100 oh yes yeah just like i mean you don't do you're not doing nine damage at level one you're doing 90 damage at yeah. level one you know that sort of thing it's just that that over the top like exponential growth of numbers is just such fantastic fun Whereas, like, in D&D, right, you could be a level 20-whatever and only have 100 hit points or 200 hit points. Yeah. Something like that. Whereas, you're, if you're a level you know, 99 in a JRPG, you could have 9,999 hit points. Yes. And that is unabashedly rad. So, yes. like, why would I wonder you? if there would be a way to scale those numbers up as you gain in level. Because one mm-hmm. thing I've noticed while playing this game, I, I started out hitting things, me with my giant sword, and then you have a companion who has you say... Her weapons are like leather gloves. Like, yeah. so one of you has like a, anyway, yeah. uh, when you start out, you're doing like nine points of damage per hit or 12 points of damage. Yeah. I'm now like two hours into the game and I'm doing like 800 points of damage per mm-hmm. hit. And I assume yeah. like in two hours, I'll be doing like 14,000 yeah. damage per hit. So yeah, I wonder like maybe good. like every five, every two levels, you like multiply every number by 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's it's also just sort of ridiculous. It's like, because the enemies are also, you know, ticking up at the same rate. And stuff <laughs> yes. too. So it's like, it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I love, I love that part of it. I think the other thing that I would say that Final Fantasy VII does in particular, you haven't really played, you, you've played like some of the later ones. Like you didn't play the early yeah, ones. Yeah, I played that. one and uh-huh. 15 yeah, and, <laughs> uh, like I've, I've bracketed the Final Fantasy experience. So yeah, yeah. So seven in particular, like the original, is just the wackiest game. Like every hour, you're hitting some sort of strange side quest mini game in it, and like oftentimes it's like it's they sort of weave it into the plot, but it's like it doesn't really make sense why you're snowboarding right now, <laughs> but it's really fun that you're snowboarding yeah. <laughs> right now. So I think like that's the other thing that I'd probably draw into D and D, and something I've tried to do a little bit, not with great success, is like you just sequence break out of D and then do 
something else, but you're still with those characters. Hmm. Some sort of other game, mini game, board game, whatever, but you're playing it in you know in character, and it's advancing the plot in some some fashion. So it's going to take a little bit of work to do. But like I I love that about that game is that you're you're never only playing like the the combat mechanics of it. Like you're often doing all sorts of other stuff. And yeah, it's not just a matter of like doing a different activity. Like you're mm-hmm. you're embracing a new paradigm, like a, mm-hmm. a new control scheme, a new you know, you have spent hours like using this combat combat battle menu, and now mm-hmm. you're like trying to, you know, whatever, wiggle your controller at the right time so yeah. that you can throw a cabbage at a yeah. you know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. I okay. think it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot that you could do sort of with that. I think we talked with, um, maybe Christopher Becker when he was on, I think he does a little bit of that in his games too. Maybe I'm misremembering who it was, but like, yeah, there's just, there's something there with that, that I'd like to explore. Cause I think like with board games, I find oftentimes now when I go back to play them, like I always want there to be a little bit more of a story. Hmm. story to them so it's almost like i mean could you play your D character playing a board game like that would be that would be really fun like how would they make decisions differently from say like you like you know, like andy like how would your barbarian make a decision yeah about um settlers of Catan that you you as a thinking person might not yeah you know this uh we can we can wrap up this little subtopic and yeah. move on to main thing but i want to say one thing i am personally intrigued by and always love it when i come across this is Mm-hmm. rules in an rpg like a tabletop rpg for playing a game in the yeah. as, like in character so like a couple weeks ago i was reading a uh, like a wild west rpg and it mm-hmm. has a whole section on like how to resolve like various types of gambling you know like poker and other types of wild west gambling and there's always that yeah. like part of you just wants to stop and break out like a deck of cards and just play the game right but i mean yeah. there's obvious reasons why that's probably not the best way to resolve it every time but there it is kind of funny like why am i why am i just making a regular skill roll to like when i could we could break out a deck of cards here and yeah you know i know the (laughs) answer i know the answer to that question but that you know yeah okay well um we've gone on about a good variety of topics already in the last 20 minutes so let us turn to the meat of episode 50 and uh, take yes. a look at our table of topics. And it's been so long since we've really done a lot with the table of topics. Mm-hmm. Why don't we take a second to just talk about what our idea was behind this table and why are we throwing this away and building a new one? Yeah. So for probably a couple months now, we've been talking about like the concept of a season, right? In, in the podcast, like, so like calling this the end of season one and starting season two. And with that would come a, a turnover of the table of topics. Um, so the table of topics is a way for us when we have a guest on or when it's just us to roll on this table to have something to talk about. As you can tell, because we're, what, 20 minutes in or so of the, this episode, and we've been able to generate tons of stuff to talk about. Like, you and I don't exactly need it. But it's, it's nice when we have a guest a guest on to say, okay, let's roll on this, and this will give us something to sort of talk about. And then um, we also also would at the end of the episodes have people replace those topics um as well so like if they rolled something then they get to replace it just because of how things have kind of shaken out we now have a table of topics that only has one of those sort of guest added topics on it and then it's a bunch of stuff that we've sort of had to fill in so it seems like a good time to say okay we've done this is the 50th episode let's wipe that table clean um and then kind of start afresh get some new topics on there maybe we can pull in some of the old ones that we really liked 
and then into the future then whenever we have guests on we can roll on this and they can they can have something interesting to talk about and for to help the two of us as we come up with ideas maybe we can Mm -hmm. articulate here so what chris have you found makes for the best kind of questions Mm -hmm. and then let's talk also about what kind of questions don't really work out as well in the context of this show I'm going to guess you're going to say something like this, but it is my experience that for the best questions tend to be highly practical, highly specific questions. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think we, we've talked about it before. We had a really great conversation about um, using doors in dungeons once. Like, what is a door in a dungeon? Yeah, I think like because GMs tend to overthink everything, so like the more specific you can get, the the more <laughs> more the wheels start turning. Whereas some of the other like weaker weaker questions were just a little bit too broad. Yeah, so I think like when we're thinking about adding coming up with some of these topics, we'll want to stick to something more specific with them, um, but also not specific to a a, a game itself. Like mm-hmm. right, like so we're not going to talk about like hit points in D anD D. It might be you know hit points the concept of hit points. Yeah. Like how do you handle this specific kind of rule in GURPS, right? Well, you know, read the entire book that's written about <laughs> GURPS is the yes. answer there. Yeah. And this is going to be a D10 table. So we need 10 mm-hmm. topics yeah. and we have one that we're, we're throwing all the topics on the current D10 table of topics out, except for one, right? Yes. And Chris, yes. Uh, so I can we're... see that you, mm-hmm appear to have some paper or something can you jot these yeah down? okay yeah I'm so what is the one that yeah. we're keeping so we're gonna keep uh don stroud came on on episode 32 and he added um how do you handle inventory management and encumbrance in your games which i think is a great question i can't believe we have not really talked about that issue yet in these 50 episodes yeah it's kind of amazing but i mean i guess it's on there just no one rolls ones <laughs> so so uh, i don't yeah. do math well would if he came on in like the early 30s uh mm-hmm. was that like way pre-pandemic like all time has ceased to have meaning for oh me. that's a good yeah. question i think that might have been pre-pandemic or like just into it where we are we're all still hopeful yeah we we're like <laughs> yeah this will probably last yeah. a week and then we'll all be back yeah yeah. Uh, well, uh, let me let me start throwing out some ideas here for the table, Chris, mm-hmm. and then you can okay. do the same. Here is a topic that um, has become like more real to me in the last couple of months as it has for you. So maybe mm-hmm. I would like to get a, to- a topic in there about managing managing scheduling and Ooh, okay. um, I don't know the logistics of like scheduling games and schedule and doing people's availability. Yeah, that's a really good topic. I think everybody approaches it a little bit differently, too. Yep. And no one really feels like they do it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's actually probably another another good nuance to this is uh, the better topics are the ones that we're not sure what the answer are, is immediately oh, totally. as well. So, yeah. Um, I think I'm thinking just because I like, just ran a game with a bunch of people that didn't have, have dice. Like, something about dice. Why... Uh... Why D fours are the worst kind of die? Yeah, like D four. Yeah. <laughs> How do you pick up a D four? Yes. <laughs> like, don't. Like, do you do you require dice at the table? Almost like like yeah. Like what do your players use? You know, as as dice. You know, like something along those lines. Does that make any sense at all? I, it does. I okay. yes. There. I feel like we're circling around a number of couple of interesting ways we could go with the topic of mm-hmm. like physical dice at the physical table yeah so why don't just for the sake of getting something out on the chart 
we put down something like, you know, how do you use dice at the table or something? Okay. And then that's the sort of thing where I imagine, depending on who we're talking to about it, it could go in like one of about 10 different interesting directions. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I think, yeah, something that's sort of related to that that thought that I was having is like something along the lines of like, how do you, and maybe we've talked about this, like how do you introduce newbies to role-playing games? Hmm. We have, but I think the two of us have more experience now than we did like yeah. when that first came up. So, okay. and you know, I also, I don't mind repeating some of the good topics that we had good conversations mm-hmm. with because there'll be conversations yeah. with new people. Yeah. I'm actually going to throw that. Like, I think we should do the, the doors and dungeons question, right? Sure. Cause I, I still have more to say. Well, here's another specific one that uh, is relevant to you. Uh, how do you do mazes? Oh, yes. Mazes or labyrinths uh, of any sort. Because while you were prepping your game, I think you were chatting in the Discord a little bit about mazes. And there's like at least three different ways you could handle a maze came up. Uh, Yeah, and that's one. I think we all have the inclination of like we really want to run a maze. Like everybody wants to to run a maze. But like, yeah, it's just it's hard to do. (laughs) So it's a good topic. Dungeons. I already did not write down one of these. Oh, how do you uh, how do you bring newbies? Yeah. Okay. I don't love that term, newbies. We've said it a bunch. Is there a different way to say that? Like, I, I would just say. Oh, I don't know. No, I don't think there is another way to say it. Okay. I'm gonna say new people to the hobby. <laughs> yeah. The hobby. I also don't like the term the hobby, but that's that's probably a long rant for another yeah, day it's better than the industry but uh yes yeah. <laughs> yeah okay well here's um here's something else i don't know exactly what the question here might be but um do you and how do you handle like um like luck points or fate points like Ooh. a lot of games have some kind of mechanic that like give the players some kind of a extra chance or something like that i don't think yeah. we've ever talked about that on the show i wonder if like luck or, um, or even like plot like, point type things, yeah. Yeah, or like supernatural help. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I've done that a few times. Not to, not to start talking about the topic, but like, yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah. have have their gods, you know, step in at some point. Like, yeah, actually, really we're going to go on and talk about all these topics. Uh, yes, so yeah. Brace yourself for a seven-hour podcast. Yeah, one after another. Yeah, okay, so what number are we up to? We're at seven oh, right great. now. I, I don't. I'm not saying that we need to keep everything that we've said. Right, 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 right. We have seven ideas at this point. So. Okay. Uh, so can you think of something when, like maybe when you were running your Halloween games that you just that caught you off guard? Like I'm. We've talked a little bit about like players derailing, but like your experience of having one of the players immediately like just go off on a completely unexpected direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's a that's a GMing challenge right there. Yeah, I think maybe the question to add, like, maybe the question is, like, what what do you expect of your players in terms of of following the direction of the game? Hmm. You know, like, or like, what kind of buy-in do you expect? Right. So, like, the the thing that I'm thinking about is, like, no one wants to play with someone who's just going to be an edge lord and just like refuse to do anything. Yeah. You know, not be part of the party, that sort of thing. So it's like, yeah, like, what what expectations do you set for? <laughs> for like good teamwork at mm, the table yep. or engagement engagement with the, the narrative maybe like what expectations do you set for the engagement yeah for engagement with the narrative that's making me think of a meta you know meta question um how do you introduce a campaign or how do you 
I, I hate this word, but how do you like onboard people into a campaign? <laughs> Not like yeah. new players, but so in prepping my alien game, for example, I've been weighing like, do I send out lots of inf- like write ups of information about the setting and the scenario in advance? Do I just tackle that in the first session? You know, that sort of thing. Like, how do you, yeah. you have this new campaign you're going to launch on? Like, how do you manage that, the launch of a new campaign? Yes, that is a super good question. That's something with the the one shot in particular, I was trying to thread the needle on a little bit because um, I didn't want people to get too attached to their character concept. So I didn't send them, I very purposely did not send them a lot of information about how we were going to do character creation. Mm. And I know that bugged a couple people a mm. lot because they wanted to be ready, you know, as soon as they showed up with, with the whole whole thing filled out. Which kind of fits. I mean, I, we do have a podcast where we, we don't let people pair. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's just who I am. That's right. So I don't know if there is a good question in this, but I have a great love of thinking about how to replicate other mediums mm-hmm. in role-playing. So like that Final Fantasy question I ask, how do you take some of the like attractive qualities of this genre over here and like bring them into and represent them in role-playing? That's a really broad question. Um, looking at the past episodes, we talked about like, you know, what elements do you bring from other media hmm. into into the games? But I don't think we've talked about like, how would you go about like adapting a genre to yeah. a role-playing game? What, what about something like, what house rules have you made to achieve like a, a, a certain effect? Hmm. That's not quite right. But I, I, I also find it interesting, the challenge of like, I want my players to do more of this sort of thing, or I want the game to have this kind of feel. Is there like a number or a rule I can just adjust that will create the incentives to make that happen, you know? Yeah. Ooh, that's, there's something there. I don't know how to word that question. Okay. Um, well, we can leave it a little bit vague right now and just jot it okay. down because still in the idea phase. And then yeah, I suppose, you know, after the show here, you and I will kind of polish these up and <laughs> yes, publish yeah, them. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we are at, we're at 10 ideas here. Um, although I'm still writing down that last one. So Let, I, let's uh, get a couple more out there. Okay. And we're coming up on, uh, you know, probably time before too long here. So how do you incorporate uh, families into your games? I guess that's not a great way to put it, but um, our families do PCs in your games have family lives. And if so, how do you um, how how does how is that a factor or not a factor in your games? Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. I always like thinking about yeah, thinking about like yeah, the characters as complete three dimensional people. Yeah, it's like you know, if they're gonna just hang out in town for a year in between adventures, they're gonna get entangled with someone. So let's see. I just had something on the tip of my tongue. Oh no, um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but. I would love a conversation of just like, how do you go about naming NPCs and towns? Yeah, that's a good one. And that's yeah. that's nice and specific. We've, we're have we drifting away a little ways away yeah. from the specificity. Because specificity, so. that is something I am not great at. <laughs> so I want someone to give me the, the magic there. Yeah. Okay, so that's 12. you have anything else that you're just like, oh, I, I've got it? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I... I mm-hmm. I am recalling a discussion not too long ago with a couple of former guests on the show, outside of the show, about how they use like digital games, digital mm-hmm. like PDFs and stuff like that. And I, I feel like there might be a topic in there, like how do you get the most out of you know a digital a, a PDF game 
Oh, yeah. That's a good question. I mean, it's especially, I feel like, more and more relevant lately. Yeah, I mean, it's not a new topic, but it's I think it's one we're all suddenly um, more more faced with, uh, with all the distance yeah. gaming. All right, so do you have anything else, or do you want to call it... Uh, yeah let's let me just you know, i'll read through them i think and then we can we can probably we might just rule out a couple of these or we might rule them out because i can't read my handwriting so <laughs> uh the first one was just about like inventory management right so this is yep. the one from don shroud like yeah how do you handle inventory management and encumbrance scheduling how do you handle scheduling um how do you use how do you use dice at the table um i think i'm just gonna say no on that i think i re- yeah okay that one's just yeah that's a little too, too vague yeah um, how do you bring new people to the hobby? Doors and dungeons. Let's add that back in. Um, mazes in games. How do you handle luck or supernatural help? Do you allow it, I guess, is, yeah, is probably mm-hmm. the first question there. Um, what expectations do you set for players for for kind of staying, sticking to the narrative? Um, how do you manage onboarding, starting a campaign? What house rules do you have to facilitate the genre you're trying to play in? How do you incorporate families for the um, PCs? Um, how do you name NPCs and towns? And how do you use PDFs? How do they work? <laughs> yes. Um, any of those just like stick out to you is that's just not worth talking about? I think about. that's a pretty good list there. I have a feeling mm-hmm. if after the show, if we can try and create a polished final version of each of those, it will be more mm-hmm. obvious which ones are not going to fly. Yeah, I think so too. Just like looking at this, I think there the how do you bring new people to the hobby is there's a lot of overlap with like maybe even house rules or starting onboarding a campaign. So yeah, yeah, for we'll sure. see. We'll yeah, we'll take some time. Um, yeah, that was fun to do on air, and I think um, saved us from probably like months of agonizing over it. Yeah, <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad we did this too because we have been four months. We have been saying to each other, and I'm sure we've uh, been boring our listeners with it as well uh talking about refreshing the table at some yeah. point in the future so it has it is almost complete dear listeners so well we can probably wrap up there and we'll be back with episode 51 uh to dawn of a new age in podcasting <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> yeah with with season two um of oh, season two oh, well, yeah we yeah. gotta start calling it season two <laughs> yes okay yeah this we should we should probably end on a cliffhanger yeah um who i guess which one of us is going to is in peril oh oh boy well yeah we are in the middle of a pandemic so (laughs) So there's a certain we're both at like just 40 percent peril like by default (laughs) but uh yeah uh i don't know i don't really feel especially imperiled at the moment aside from that do you have like any any like really good stories of like of a character being in peril that we could we could use <laughs> of a character recovery. being in peril yeah oh man do you i don't know i mean uh i think like probably the most like epically perilous thing that i've run was the end of the my my kind of long-running campaign where they <laughs> they faced down tiamat directly in the seven it's, hells it That's is hard to top that uh yeah, yeah speaking of that final fantasy feel you were you were killing yes. a god right <laughs> Yes, yeah. How will you kill this guy? <laughs> yes. Um, yes, so dear listeners, you have just been transported to the Seven Hells, staring at the faces of the dragon heads of Tiamat. What do you do? <laughs> I've been Chris Salzman. I have been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Bye.